Hi, I'm Monsi. Hi, I'm Beryl. Welcome to M&M Books. Wow, our first podcast. Yeah, it's going to be kind of chaotic because we've never done a podcast before, if you can't tell. Um, but that's so. okay because everybody, nobody's perfect, but we're pretty close. We're both of us, both of us are pretty close. I'm closer, but yeah, we're pretty close. <laughs> Anyways, so we're going to be talking about The Lightning Thief today, which is the first book in the Percy Jackson and Olympian series. We're gonna we're planning to do a podcast episode on each book, but not just this is not just a Percy Jackson fan account. I promise. Although Monty would want that. <laughs> yeah, it's but it's about books in general. Like we're not just gonna be doing Percy Jackson books. We just talk about books. This is just two best friends talking about books. This is what this podcast is. And if you don't want to listen, I mean if you like books and you read these books that we we talk we talk about you'll probably enjoy it. Well, you'll hopefully enjoy it. You're like our third best friend, except you don't talk. You're like, you, you just don't talk. We talk for you. You're a diary, basically. So, okay. Going to... <laughs> so before we start anything, I just want to say full spoiler disclaimer, don't continue with these episodes if you haven't read the book we're talking about, because it's going to be full of spoilers. These are like more analysis and stuff like that and our thoughts on the book. So Except they're not like deep analysis. Like this is an English class. No, we just we just rant about the books. Don't worry, guys. So we're gonna be starting with a summary of the Lightning Thief because chances are, if you've read this book, it was back in like elementary or like middle school, and you don't remember anything about it. So this is like a refresher. So we're gonna start by saying this book basically say uh, takes everything in Greek mythology and says it's real and takes it forward from there. So it starts with this kid named Percy, who's a 12-year-old with dyslexia and ADHD, and he's a troubled kid per se. So on a sixth grade field trip, he finds out his math teacher is a fury, which is a type of Greek monster, and he kills her by slashing her with a ballpoint sword, which turns, wait, no, it's a ballpoint pen, which turns into a sword um, that he gets from his Latin teacher. He finds out he's a demigod, he's the son of Poseidon, and his best friend Grover is a satyr, which is half goat, half human. Um, after they reach Camp Half-Blood, which is the camp for Half-Bloods, aka demigods. So on the journey to Camp Half-Blood, Percy loses his mom in a golden shower of light to the Minotaur, which is a monster Percy fights. And at Camp Half-Blood, Percy meets Annabeth, daughter of Athena, and he finds out that his Latin teacher, Chiron is actually a centaur camp director. So Percy basically gets accused like first thing. And he's there. Everyone's like, you stole Zeus's lightning bolt, which has been missing for the longest time. But Chiron thinks that Hades has the bolt. So what happens is Percy, Annabeth and uh, Grover end up going to the underworld to convince Hades to get the bolt back. Before they go on their quest, um, Percy gets these flying shoes from Luke, who is the Hermes camp counselor. So it's like a camp, right? So there are different cabins. So there's camp counselors and the cabins are based on your godly parent. So the Hermes camp counselor gives them flying shoes, which I already said. Anyway, so then before they go to the underworld, they get a backpack from Ares and it basically has like stuff for survival. Ares is the god of war. Then once they reach the underworld, they find out that the pack actually had the lightning bolt in it. And the flying shoes that Luke gave were actually trying to drag that person down to Tartarus and they were meant for Percy, but Grover wore them and satyrs mess with magic. So he didn't actually go to Tartarus. Anyways, they find out that Hades doesn't actually have the bolt and that Hades power symbol, the helm is also missing. So Percy finds that everything is with Ares. He returns everything's things back to him so that there's no World War Three. And then he finds out that Luke was like a backstabber and then you find out that Luke is trying to bring back Kronos, who was a Titan, and he's trying to bring back, like, a new era where he defeats the gods. So that's kind of where the series opens up, and it's like, okay, here we are from now. Okay, that was, like, yeah. a lot. Good job. And now we're going to talk about the book. That's, that's the whole podcast. We're going to talk about the book now. Okay. So we just want to give a trigger warning for the next segment where we're going to be talking about domestic violence and domestic abuse. So if this is not something that you want to hear about, just skip to the next segment and that's totally okay. So Sally 
is Percy's mom, who uh, we didn't mention in the summary, but she's Percy's mom. And if you read the books, probably remember that she was so sweet and she was so kind and we loved her because she's a great mom. And that's what everyone deserves in life. I don't know. <laughs> everyone deserves a great parent, especially when one of your parents is a literal god and abandons you and your mom at, you know, child, like before you're even born. So, you know, at least Percy has one good parent. Some of the demigods don't even have any, so. Yeah, Percy yeah. is definitely, like, the luckiest out of the demigods, like. I mean, I, I think Annabeth and her father, oh, wait, we don't, do we want to go into, we find out Annabeth has a bad relationship with her father in this book, and I feel like it gets better throughout the series. I feel like Annabeth's relationship with her father, though, is so relatable, like, it's somehow the most relatable, because, like, having your parents die is not that relatable to everyone, yeah, it sucks. And then also, like, having your mom go through domestic violence, which, by the way, Sally was a victim of, which I think a lot of us didn't realize because we read the books at an age where we didn't even know what domestic violence was. But um, those things are, like, far-fetched. But then when you go to, like, you can actually, like, be like, okay, yeah. Not far-fetched. They're just, like, a little bit less normal. Yeah, a little bit, little bit less common. I mean, there's obviously, like, a lot of domestic abuse survivors, like, too, way way too many um there shouldn't be any but um yeah the uh, yeah what you were saying it's like a little bit more common for you to just have a, like a bad relationship with your parents or like have miscommunications but going back to sally um just talking about like gabe like how do people like gabe even exist like the fact that there are people also his last name ugliano that's just so ugly <laughs> like what is that was very well executed um but yeah i don't like gabe nobody likes gabe like literally he's not even one of those characters that's like on the fence or like a flawed he's just pure terrible like, no he just he just he's just bad he just stinks literally I can't, <laughs> he just... I, I can't wait for her to meet paul like you you said that meryl but like i genuinely also really like her i, and paul. I didn't yeah yeah i love i love her and paul they're so cute Ugly Auto is the 565,867 most commonly occurring last name throughout the world. And it's primarily found in Europe. So, you know, obviously white people, they just be doing their thing with their last names. And they just like, you know what? Let's include the word ugly in it. Okay. That explains. Yeah, no, Meryl, that explains is like a, Meryl is on a huge rant about just Europe and in general because she just took like her AP Euro exam. So learning about Europe only strengthens your hate for the history. Yeah, of that's true. <laughs> Anyways, I feel like every single Percy Jackson fan has this fantasy of having just a New York-based trip that is- Yeah, oh my God, we're gonna take one. This is, this is, this is related. We're gonna take one as soon as everything is, as soon as things are relatively safe, we're gonna take what, a Camp Hathlet trip. And we're gonna go to New York. And what are we gonna do there? Not sure, but we're just gonna stay there and be like, guys, we're in Camp Hathlet. Like, yeah. hypothetically, if it was here. They actually have like this Camp Hathlet, which I think like the oldest is like 12 year olds. Like if you're older than 12, you can't go there. But I went there with like my Girl Scouts troop before I was 12. It's actually a really cool place. So like if you're a child, if you're a little kid, go. Zeus is like the biggest bully. And he's misogynistic. And chauvinistic. He's misogynistic AF. We're going to keep this, keeping this channel, channel, keeping this podcast PG. But you know what I meant to say that. With, with abbreviations. Yeah, um, abbreviations. But like, um, he's, just, he's also a hypocrite. Because like, yeah. like said over here, like he blames all the other gods for doing a sliver of what he does all the time. No, he literally abuses his power because he's like punishing Dionysus for flirting with the wood, wood nymph that Zeus likes. But like, maybe you shouldn't have been assault, uh, harassing an innocent wood nymph anyways to begin with, Zeus. N neither of them should have been harassing a wood nymph who definitely was not consenting to being chased down by a god. 
Yeah, I mean, Dionysus is definitely problematic, but Zeus takes problematic to another level, which yeah. I think is befitting because Hera is also very problematic in the exact opposite way. So we're putting another trigger warning here because the next segment, even though it is brief, does mention rape. So again, if you want to skip this segment, feel free to do so. Yeah, I read this um, poetry book that was like, okay, I read this really good poetry book that was like kind of like a feminist retelling of Greek mythology. And it shows like it depicts Zeus as a rapist, which he was. Anyways, now that we've talked about um, people who are irrelevant, let's talk about Persebeth. Yeah, Zeus is irrelevant. Let's talk about, oh, okay, we're talking about Persebeth. Was... Let's talk about Persebeth, Monty's favorite ship. Yes, my Persebeth is my religion, okay? Like, I'm... Yeah. Obviously, they're the most popular show, they're the most popular sh- They're the most popular Monty ship. would honestly be great at directing, you know what, we should direct the Percy Jackson movies. That should be us. Not whoever did it before. Who that they were bad. They were really bad at it. We don't claim those movies. They don't exist. No, I refuse to admit to their existence. Anyways, Percibeth. Let's talk about that. So I feel like Percibeth is definitely like the original ship and everything. And they're also like the most popular ship, but they are not overrated. And I feel like this happens with a lot of different series where there are so many different couples where like the main couple becomes so overrated and so overhyped. But if you're worth the hype, then you're not overrated in my book. And Persephone yeah. is definitely worth the hype. I mean, they are so perfect. And also, there's this thing where, like, in the first three books, Percy was like, mm-hmm. Annabeth. I don't believe that. Percy shouldn't be sure. No, that's cute, no, though. Like, what? Like, that's. <laughs> yeah, but that's cute. That's like, that's like this, what's it called? That's like this, like, common, like, I don't know what to call it exactly, but, like, this, like, common theme in fan art where, like, the boy will be, and obviously this is in straight ships, but the guy will be, like, slightly shorter than the girl when they're younger, and then when they grow up, the guy is, like, taller than the girl, like, significantly, and then it's, like, cute, because it's, like, oh, look, this happened. Yeah, I don't think Percy was ever significantly, like, I read this whole, like, thing where it was, like, listing everyone's heights, and it makes sense to me where, like, Percy's 5'11 and Annabeth's 5'7. She's only like 5'4. Five five what the heck, guys? Nothing's so tall. <laughs> I'm 5'2. It, it must be the ambrosia. It must be the ambrosia. We need to get yeah, our hands on that. It's a drug. <laughs> it's a drug. It's they're drug. just they're actually they're just taking drugs. <laughs> it has to be drugs. It miraculously cures them. It's a pain reliever. It's basically like the oh my god. Wait, of- conspiracy theory? Rick Warden just wanted to try to legalize marijuana. And then he wrote he wrote marijuana into the book through Ambrosia. That's so good. We're gonna be tracking Persebeth moments now. So Because it's Monty's favorite ship and she loves it. She's like obsessed with it. Like, if she if she could, she would marry Persebeth. Like n- n- not any of them by themselves, just just Persebeth as a whole. <gasps> that is so true. Anyway. I know. Persebeth is great. Don't get me wrong. I love Persebeth. Like, they're so cute. What's Very healthy relationship. My favorite ship? I genuinely have no idea. I don't know. I just like all of them. I like all of them. Except, except for Piper and Jason. I think Jason Okay. You know what? We're not getting into the discussion right now. Because Jasper we'll, talk about, we'll talk about Jasper later. We'll, we'll have a whole debate on it. So Where okay. were we? <laughs> <laughs> right. Page, okay. Page 147 is the first seaweed brain wise girl moment and like that's just kind of cute for them to have really not great nicknames for each other but it's so cute they're so cute yeah like i i read this one thing where it was like seaweed brain is actually their ship name because like seaweed for percy and then brain for annabeth like, oh that's picking, good picking annabeth as your favorite character is a little cliche but like she's totally worth it again she's worth oh my god my favorite character is probably like actually i really love piper I really That's love. What I, was gonna, I was gonna be like, I bet Mel's favorite character is Piper. I don't know if my favorite character is her. I feel like I think I like all of them. Like I like just all the girls are my favorite characters, and then actually they're all my favorite except Jason. Just not Jason. I, I like Jason so much. I like I don't hate him. I just he's not my favorite character. He's not interesting enough. He's like he, you know, wait, wasn't was he the one who got like hit with bricks? What was that? Yeah, yeah, he's the brick guy. Yeah, he, he got hit with bricks, but he is literally as interesting as a brick. Page 163 is 
where they reveal where they're rivals, which I really- Yeah, follow, follow along in your books, guys. Take out your books, just flip to the page. We're gonna, we're gonna ask you to send in pictures of you reading this, these pages. Okay, no, no, continue, Monty. Get school belt and, like, stuff the books and then just, like, pull it out. Exactly. Anyways, so, like, I really like the fact that they revealed why they're rivals because, I mean, yes, it was, like, they did it in a funny way, but also, um, I feel like it brings the whole thing full circle in the Blood of Olympus when they, like, have that moment where they're on that trident, like, trident mark, and then they kiss, and person's like, this is where the rivalry ends. So it's like, it just brings everything I, so beautifully full. Literally do not remember what you're talking about, but okay. Okay, okay. in the Blood of Olympus, remember when they go underground? Monty, I've only read the light, I've only reread the Lightning Thief. Please, no one knows what you're talking about. Oh, okay, no, okay. Let's, you might, let's provide some context. Monty, like, regularly rereads Percy Jackson because she's insane. Um, we love her, but she's insane. So <laughs> that's, that's that. Like, one time, I we were in French class in eighth grade together, and she was reading projection during the school, like on the PDF. And I was like, what are you doing? And she's like, this is my like 16th time, 20th time reading it or something. I don't remember. Yeah, I've lost count too. Let me provide context. So in the Blood of Olympus, right? What happens is they, Piper, Annabeth and Percy, they go underground in the Athens to like mm-hmm. stop the giants and like kill them before they launch the cannons. Do you remember I mean, Okay. Spoiler warning, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you're going to be tuning into these podcasts, you better have read, like, all ten books. So we have Percy's proposal on page 166. And I honestly missed this the first time I read it. I think everyone missed it the first time they read it. Not just because, like, it's a small detail. Okay, let me give some context before I explain. So basically what happens is, like, when they're on the quest, Annabeth, Percy, and um, Grover, the three of them are, like, playing catch with an apple. And, like, in Greek culture, if you, like, give an apple to a girl, like, if a guy gives an apple to a girl, it's, like, proposing to them, which um, exists, I guess. I didn't catch this because, A, I didn't know that was a thing. Um, and also, yeah. it's like a really small detail. I heard about it or I saw it in, like, a Tumblr post. But, like, I saw the Tumblr post on Pinterest because because – I go through Pinterest to read Tumblr posts <laughs> because who needs Tumblr when you can just look at pins, honestly. Going on, on page 242 to 243, the next moment is the love ride. So Percy, Annabeth, and Grover are sent by Ares to go and get the shield. Or what did he leave there? I don't even know what Ares left there. But no, the like, shield. A, sh- a shield, yeah. It was a shield. So they had to go to the water park, and on the water park, there was this ride called the Love Ride, which is where the shield was. So they end up, Percy and Annabeth have to go together, and then Percy's like, okay, come on, let's go together. And she's like, I'm not going on that thing with you. Okay, but like, honestly, Percy's so funny. Percy's just just really funny. He's just like, he's clearly just a a dumb 12-year-old who's like never talked to pretty girls before, and he's just so confused. And he's so, he's so funny. Princess curls. Anyway, um... That should also be a moment. Why isn't that here? The first time he sees... I don't know. You're the one who wrote all of these moments. <laughs> what are you asking okay, me? Like, let's be honest. It's so cute how, like, the first thing you wake up to is Annabeth and her princess curls. And then okay. Annabeth goes, you're drooling. You're drooling your sleep. <laughs> you're drooling your sleep. Iconic. Anyway. Um... Annabeth, Annabeth's an icon. I strive to be like her one day. She's so exactly. cool. We all do. Um. So, yeah. And then the final moment that we put down for this book is on page 255, and it is the first connecting talk, whatever that means. Monty, this is your note. Go. (laughs) Okay, so basically, it's the talk where they're, like, in that zoo transport, and it's, like, the inhumane zoo zoo transport. Grover's. Oh, and they have, like, that open conversation. That's so cute. Yeah, what what are they talking about? I don't remember. Was it, like, Annabeth's dad? Yeah, Annabeth talks about her family, and she talks a little bit about Luke. And I think Percy talks a little bit about being insecure, about, like, the whole Poseidon thing and how, like, he was claimed. I don't know. I don't think Percy talks that much about himself as much as Annabeth does. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and, like, Percy gives her advice, and he's like, you should give it another try and stuff. And the reason I like this so much is because I feel like with any relationship, like, especially a romantic relationship with someone, it's really important that you can be vulnerable with each other. 
So I love when they're vulnerable with each other before they actually are in a relationship because it shows that like their relationship didn't push out their vulnerability, just them being friends did, which is why I also think it's kind of nice to like be friends before you date. But that's just my personal opinion. We're gonna go. We're gonna move on now. Okay, we're done talking about Prince Beth. Monty's sad. Okay, but I have a fun discussion question for us because I'm really cool like that. This is not English class again, but it is a discussion question. Leave your comments. Leave your comments on the Twitter post that we're making about this that we might make. Wait. Okay. Now we have a fun discussion question to talk about demigods. And no, this isn't English class, but um, who cares? It's a, it's a fun one. Okay. Leave your comments below on what you think about this under our um, Twitter posts that we, 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 we will make. We didn't tell anyone our Twitter account. We'll put them at the end. Or, like, we'll put, I'll put it in the description. Okay. Uh, okay. So, the discussion question. Which dummy... Okay, so you know how demigods... Some of the demigods can leave Camp Half-Blood for the summer. And some of them cannot because um like they're like too their parents are too strong or whatever um which ones do you think leave and which ones do you think stay that's the question we're gonna we're gonna discuss it right now um except you can't talk about it so that's that's your problem not ours we're talking about it right now (laughs) so meryl has written here aphrodite demeter hermes some apollo apollo or apollo i think it's apollo Okay. I think it's Apollo and, he- and he- Hephaestus. Hephaestus? <laughs> That's just the pronunciation of Hephaestus. Hep- oh, okay. I think it's called Hephaestus, like hypothesis. <laughs> like, I don't know why the pH never made a point. Hypotenuse. Hypotenuse and his kids. <laughs> Hephaestus pronunciation. We're so funny. It's Hephaestus. It's Hephaestus. Hephaestus. It's Hephaestus? Yeah. That makes no sense. Anyway, let's move on because this is giving me a headache. Okay, so for Aphrodite, we think that they stay because Aphrodite, like, it just like is like, you know what? Is there something to be said about how Aphrodite isn't a strong goddess because she I represents think- femininity? Like, is that like some misogyny there? I Not- think more than that, it's like Aphrodite in herself. Like, if the children have genuine powers, like if you're an Aphrodite child who can charm speak. Because even though I feel like a lot of people don't realize that not all Aphrodite children can charm speak. So oh, I didn't know that. Speak, I did not um, know that. Yeah, that, like, I realized that when I reread The Lost Hero. But um, not all Aphrodite children can charm speak. So if you can charm speak, I would say you're, like, more powerful. So I guess then you wouldn't leave. And then with Demeter, I feel like... You probably she's not even an Olympian, right? So is she? Yeah, she is. Hestia is the one who is not an Olympian. Okay, well I don't know. Hestia doesn't have kids. I think mostly it's more than like your parent. For most of these, it's like how much you've honed your skills. Like obviously, there's like if you're a child of the big three, don't go venturing out. That's dumb. Percy's stupid. Percy's a bad example. Don't follow him. Yeah, like Percy literally not a year-round student and he's the son of poseidon like he's dumb he's i mean like okay, I, I get it because we all love sally and he wants to see his mom so that that makes sense i think more than your parents though for everyone else i think it's more about like how powerful you are as a demigod how long you've been in camp half blood because like athena particularly i don't think she would be someone who's that powerful but the fact that annabeth has no, been... Athena herself is like really powerful. Like she's a right. really important oh. Olympian. But like her children, them, her children probably because the prob the the important thing is like the strength of their like demigod smell that alerts monsters and like how much that puts them in danger. So I think like Annabeth herself is like a pretty powerful demigod. So she would she would probably she probably should stay year round, and she does stay year round until you know the end of this book. I think, I think it's not just the fact that she's. Athena's daughter that makes her yeah it's the fact that she's been there for so long and she's just like I think she's like really cool she's just very cool very cool person <laughs> we just cool she's just her icon yeah. icon all right that was that leave your just leave your thoughts down below um in the non-existent comments just kidding leave them on the twitter post that I will be linking in the description and also telling you at the end of this podcast okay Moving on from the discussion questions, I want to talk about the alternative to Medusa's story, 
that uh, I have heard a scene a couple of times on Greek mythology sites. And this is important because, you know, well, not important, but this is relevant because Medusa uh, is part of the story and she she tries to um, kill. Them. Kill. Yeah, tries to kill Annabeth and Grover and Poseidon and Percy, not Poseidon. And yeah. Um, the story vendetta against Athena too. Yeah, she holds a vendetta. In this story, she holds an vendetta. A vendetta. In this story, she holds. How do you pronounce it? Vendetta. <laughs> in this story, she holds a grudge against Athena for giving her the snakes. Medusa. Okay, the story of Medusa is that she is being sexually intimate with Poseidon in Athena's um, temple because Poseidon and Athena like hate each other. Which makes Percy Beth all the more cuter. It's kind of like forbidden love, if you think about it. Anyways. Oh my god, it is. Oh my god, yeah. It's like it's like Juliet and Romeo. Juliet and yeah, Romeo and Juliet. Thing? Yeah, it's like them. Because like their family hate each other. Okay. But like Romeo and Juliet is kind of overrated, not gonna lie. Um Romeo and Juliet is dumb. It's just two white people who don't have it's anything like, better to do. It's like so stupid. It's like if you waited two minutes, like it's practically yeah. a comedy. <laughs> it's practically a comedy. It's actually it's 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 not a tragedy. It's actually one of Shakespeare's most famous comedies. That's the best comedy that's what we think it is. tragedy. Isn't that like a quote that exists in the world? I like, don't know. Comedy. Probably. I don't. That was like really deep. Okay. Anyways, moving on. So Medusa's story is that you know she's fro- she's frolicking around with Poseidon in the temple of Athena, oh, and then catches him. I don't know what the word is. And then she catches them. No, so she catches them, and then um she gives she curses her. With the snakes, but in with the hair of snakes that will turn anyone who sees her, who like any mortal who looks at her, um, into snake, into into snow, into stone. So here's another trigger warning. Um, for the next segment, even though it's not that long, we are going to be talking about sexual assault. So again, trigger warning. If you do not want to listen to this, that's perfectly fine. Just skip ahead. Okay, so in the other stories, Medusa, um, no, Athena is giving Medusa a gift by giving her the hair with the snakes because she doesn't want Medusa to be sexually assaulted because in these interpretations, Poseidon is not consensually having relations with Medusa. And so Athena is giving her the snakes to make sure that it doesn't happen again with like other mortal men, presumably. Anyways, I just think it's interesting and I like that story better. So I'm going to take that story because... We hate men in this cha- in the, on this channel. This is not a channel because we do not, <laughs> we don't stand men on this podcast. Okay. Anyways, moving on. Um, there's this part in like the book where it's page two hundred and thirteen. If any, if anyone needs for like reference, but there's this part in the book where Grover explains that all rational beings are scared of the dark because of Hades' power of symbol. He has that invisible helm which means he can literally be invisible in the dark. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time I read that, I was so happy because I was scared of the dark as a 10-year-old. And I was like, wow. this I was so scared of the dark as a 15-year-old. Anyways. <laughs> oh, I got rid of my fear by literally just sitting in a dark room for two hours. Okay. All right. Exposure therapy. Good job. Um, good for you, though. That's great. We love Rick Gordon. He is the best. Great author. He's a really good author because he yeah. he really relates with his audience. Like he knows what his and he does. He is. does representation correctly and like yeah. Frank he Zang. Not, Frank Zang. Yeah. Frank Zang was there for me <laughs> as a I child. Talk about Nico, but yes, Frank is also amazing. I mean, Nico is also like, Nico is also great. It's not just like thrown in there, you know. Like, Zang's oh, last Frank name even Frank. Character. Oh, I, did, I just say Zang's last name Frank. Oh my god. No, it's not like it's just thrown in there where it's like, oh, I need a gay character. Oh, I need a person of color. It's like genuinely developed, makes sense, plays. Yeah, and he doesn't he doesn't do it in a tokenizing way. Like he's not like there's one of each. You know? It's not it's like he like actually goes into detail about like the context of like the historical context, like um, for example, uh where I think Hazel's like living in New Orleans, right? Is that what it is? Yes, it is. Yeah, exactly. She like he's like he does his research is what I'm trying to say. And like, yeah, other authors out there, take notes if you are a if you're part of a privileged group and you're writing about a marginalized group that you're not a part of. Yes. All right. So another also on page two thirteen is Percy claustrophobic. 
this is this is, like a this is conspiracy theory. This is Moxie's. This is your note. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you're talking about. Go 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 off. Okay, so basically, I'm gonna read the exact quote um, because I wrote it. So oh my god, you're <laughs> using textual evidence. Wow, this yeah. is English class. We're gonna grade you on this. Okay. I had almost mastered my jumpy nerves when I saw the tiny little elevator car we were going to ride to the top of the arch, and I knew I was in trouble. I hate confided places. They make me nuts. So She I meant heard... confined places, not confided. Anyways, it was probably just the situation, um, or he just doesn't like closed spaces, like it's not like a phobia or anything. It's probably not that we would deal. It was never mentioned again, but I was rereading the book with this mindset that I was going to be doing a podcast on it. So it was just like small little details that I was looking out for. And I just thought it would be fun to share that little irrelevant detail with y'all. So yeah, yeah. I mean, in a way, everything you said, Monty, it has been irrelevant because I'm actually the star <laughs> of this podcast. It's the first M is me. I'm actually both Fs. Okay. Let's talk about Aries for a little yeah, bit. Cause yeah, because like okay. Aries is just like a really big jerk in this book. And he's, I mean, he's always a big jerk. He's like, he... He's the embodiment of, like, toxic masculinity. Huh. He's the embodiment of toxic masculinity in the Greek mythology world. And that's not the point here. The, our point and is... Aphrodite is the, is the epitome of toxic femininity. Yeah. Yeah. In, 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 a, in a way. Yeah, like, she's, like... Yeah, like, it's in, it's in the way of femininity, femininity and masculinity themselves are not toxic, but, like, the way the way that they express it is toxic and, like, bad. I mean, like, I don't think it's They're, like, the cliche couple. Yeah, yeah, they're, like, not, yeah, they're just, like, together because toxicity loves toxicity. I don't know. Aries is, um, being taught his toxic self, and he's, like, I'm gonna curse Percy. Because, you know, Ares and Percy have that fight by the sea, and Percy's so epic, and he's like, whoosh, whoosh, water. <laughs> and Ares is like, god powers. But then Percy's whoosh, whoosh, water beats Ares, god powers. And that's, like, uh, pretty It's cool. not just his whoosh, whoosh power. It's the fact that even strength has to bow down to wisdom sometimes, courtesy of Annabeth. Which, like, oh god, Percy did so use, like, some smart tactics. Like, he used Ares' yeah. anger oh against him. Two seconds, not two seconds in. First book in, and Annabeth's already rubbing off on Percy. Like, he's not so much of a seaweed brain anymore. He's like a kelp brain. <laughs> I think he's so, he calls him head, right? Kelp face, I think. Kelp face? I think so, yeah. <laughs> Aren't they so cute? We love that. <laughs> Couple goals. Don't you just want that with your future partner? Like, just go around calling each other names. Just yeah. that's your That if is. If you don't do that as a couple, then, like, are you even a couple? Yeah, so true. Okay, back to the book. Ares curses Percy, and he's like, every time you raise your blade in battle, every time you hope for success, you will feel my curse. And, like, it's weird, because, like, he doesn't... Percy obviously, like, doesn't have that curse on him all the time, because he is alive. <laughs> remains alive um, through ten books, I should say. And, yeah, but it does. apparently it does come back during the Titan's Curse when Percy is fighting Atlas, which, that sucks. But that's interesting, because I never I never really figured out where it came back. So that was cool to know. <laughs> I think I think it's important that, like, he never, like, you know how sometimes I feel like a lot of pieces of literature will do this, whether it be, like, books or shows or something, where they put one plot point and then they never, like, close that thread. It just exists. Yeah. Which yeah. I'm glad he closed it, even if it wasn't, yeah. like, super out there. You know, I think the best thread that, they, that he closed was, like, the thing with Calypso, where he where she cursed him, and then it comes up in House of Hades, like, five books later. Oh my god, yeah. Reading The Lightning Thief, like, again, like, this year, was so weird, because, you know, you just, like, know, like, these kids are, like, 12, like, these people are 12, and, like, when I first read the book, I was younger than them. I was 10, I was in, like, fifth grade or, like, sixth grade or something. And, well, yeah, that's, I guess it's like the same age. So I was either the same age or younger than them when I was reading these books. And now, like, I'm older than them. Um, although I won't be older than them when we get into, like, the other, the later books. But I'm older than them now. And it's so weird because they're just, just so, they're just, it's just so nostalgic. It just, like, reminds me of, like, childhood innocence. And, like, that's what Percy and Annabeth have. Like, they're just, like, so innocent in this book. And they just, like, they're going to grow so much and learn so much and conquer and fail at so many different things throughout the next 10 books 
and it just is very nostalgic to see them, you know, in their first, this isn't a good thing. It just is very nostalgic to see them in their, you know, like youngest. How do you say this, Monty? I can't do this. Like it's it's weird to see them in like a naive state where they have yeah. so much innocence. Because we like leave the we leave them we leave them as characters in like the blood of Olympus as like, you know, who just like defeated giants, like went through this great war Gaia. and like isn't it Gaia? Giants and Gaia. Oh, I right. thought you said Gaia. I was like <laughs> We're really bad at pronunciation, can you tell? <laughs> Anyways, we just like that Rick Warden does this thing where he just ties in his, he's like, he, he has all these plot holes, like, connected at the, at the end. Like, it just, it's very nice to, when you read them all together and you see how, you know, anything that he, like, any issue or contention that he starts, you know, in, like, book one or book two, he will wrap up by, like, book five. Or, like, sometimes he even wraps them up in the next, um, in the next series, in the Blood of Olympus series. That's not what it's called. In the Heroes of Olympus series, yeah. It's like he so, took yeah. the time to fill in his plot holes. Mm-hmm. Okay, Monty, what's your favorite part of the book? So my favorite part of the book would definitely be when um, Percy fought Ares. And I know we already touched upon this, but the reason why I like it is because it shows Ares' true nature. Like, he is just, like, one of those angry bulls that you can just use their anger against them so well. And it just ties into the He's just a big, that- dumb jock. Yeah, that's basically what he is. And... I just love the fact that, like, Annabeth's beforehand, she's like, here's my camp necklace to Percy for good luck. That is so cute. That is, that's adorable. That's another person with moment, okay? Is that in I, this book, or was that in a different book? No, that's in this book. Before okay, the- I'm thinking, I'm thinking of, like, the good luck kiss that she gives him Battle of the Labyrinth or something. Was that what it was? I don't remember. Any, oh my god, Battle of the Labyrinth is such a good book. Oh my god, I'm so excited to read these. <laughs> I have not reread Percy Jackson in quite a while, but once he rereads it, you know, like monthly. Anyways. Anyways, so the point is, I think that's like so cute. Um, obviously, like Grover also gives him like a can, but which is which is Grover was the best third wheel. Can we just like talk about that for a second? Like, yeah, like, Grover is such a good friend. Third wheel. Like, Grover is such a good friend though. Wheel. Yeah, he was a good friend. He was a really good. Why friend. are we talking over each other? It's not gonna be good for the podcast. It's fine. Anyways, so, um, yeah, I just like that scene because it shows, like, Annabeth was scared for Percy, and she, like, spends this entire quest being like, oh, Percy, you're so annoying, oh, I could do this without you, and then she's like, don't die, though, um, so that's really cute, I really like that, and I also mm-hmm. like how Ares looks like a complete idiot by the end of the yeah. movie. That I was mean, really like, satisfying. I just love seeing dumb men look like idiots, <laughs> because they are, <laughs> yeah. especially when they're, like, when they, like, talk a big game, and then they just get beat, it's like, okay, and, and so what are you? What was your favorite part, Meryl? My favorite part of the book is when Percy decides to leave his mom behind and save himself and his friends instead, because I think it shows, like, Percy's growth throughout this book, and it also shows that he realizes that he has, like, real friends, because at the start of the book, he was kind of lonely, and he kind of only had his mom and maybe Grover. I mean, yeah, definitely Grover, but obviously he gets closer with Grover, and he meets Annabeth, and they just grow really close and they realize they don't realize but they um they just have each other's back like he just realizes that for the first time someone other than like a family member has his back like genuinely supports him and i just also think it's a moment of growth because percy realizes that he can't just save everything he has to sacrifice someone to you know make reach his goal in the end and he just it's a really difficult moment obviously to like choose to like leave your mom in the underworld but i just think it's it's a very important moment that i'm glad i'm glad rick Warden made that like plot line choice because i think it would have been a little strange i think it would have been different it would have been different if he had he had like left grover behind or anima or himself behind right i think yeah it also ties into like his fatal flaw of loyalty where he would sacrifice himself to save his loved ones and he did Oh yeah, that is his love that is his um that is his fatal flaw. I do remember that. I don't know where she mentioned it, but obviously it's like common knowledge that she wanted to create something permanent, she wanted to be an architecture. I think I remember she says it to Percy and she's like, I wanna be an architect and he's like, You? She's like, Yes, me. 
Um, so oh, I do remember because like I think Percy made some joke about how like she has ADHD too, or like can't right. like won't be able to like do the read. The, I guess I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not really sure how dyslexia affects numbers, reading numbers. But I feel like that's some, that's like some joke that Percy made it like after Annabeth mentioned architecture. So like, you are you sure about that? As far as I know, when my knowledge of dyslexia comes from Percy Jackson books and also. <laughs> Um, uh, there's this movie, it's like a super popular Bollywood movie, um, called, like, That is a Mean Part, which literally focuses on the life of a kid who has this life. Okay, now they know you're not white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that, I could say white if you want me to. What? Um, no, like, there's, like, a very distinct white accent that foreigners have when they speak Hindi, that's, like, you catch it on right away. Because when the British came to India... They like spoke in Hindi, but they spoke with like such a distinct accent that like you now know what? if you're mm-hmm. like white in Hindi, you just speak like that. That's that's beside oh. the point. But like, look at this, look at this podcast. Like, we're so we're just we're so giving because we, we give you history lessons. We we teach you about colonization and <laughs> the British coming. <laughs> we teach you about the British colonizing India, like kind of like ruining everything. Oh, um, yeah, we're on. just. We're just so informative. Like, we just subscribe. <laughs> subscribe to our podcast. But rate us, rate us five out of, wait, what is it? Rate us five stars Yo. on, I, oh no, rate us five stars on, um, Yo. no, yeah. <laughs> rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts or you're racist and probably sexist too. Yeah. No, we're not making any assumptions. It's okay. I don't subscribe to like anyone on YouTube. Like I just I, I that's a, that was a joke. Oh my gosh, Monty, do you not know what a joke is? Like, calm okay. down. Okay. You sound like I, a white person right now. You sound like a white person. <laughs> <laughs> that is an insult. You're an, an you person. are an insult. Anyway, okay. Moving is, on. It affects numbers too, from what I yeah. from that movie. Oh, okay. I see. I see. Okay. See, we're like, we we also teach about learning disabilities. No ableism on this on this podcast. Absolutely not. Anyways, so she wanted to create something permanent. And Annabeth goes on and on about wanting to create something permanent. And obviously, we know that in, like, The Last Olympian, she gets this huge opportunity and everything. But, like, she does create something permanent with Percy. And that is so cute. Anyways, there's also this one part where Annabeth, um, she plays with Cerebrus. And then she feels bad about leaving him later on because nobody plays with him. Yeah, and then Monty wrote this entire rant about people not being dogs, which I don't really understand. So I'm just going to let her go on it. (laughs) The the idea is that Annabeth leaves Cerebrus because, um, you know, she can't stay with him forever. But she feels bad that she's letting him go. And I think that's a lot like real life where we leave people, not per se leave, but we just like lose touch with them. We don't spend enough time with them. Not Monty and me though. We're so connected. <laughs> yeah, no, we haven't talked for like 10, 10 weeks, but that's okay. I just that's fine. That's not true. We talk like every day. If we don't talk on the phone, we text. Um, yeah, we're just best friends. Okay, that's enough sentimentality. I actually don't like her. I don't even know why I'm here. <laughs> This was her idea, and she just sent me a Zoom, and I was like, okay. (laughs) Sure. It's not like we've been planning this since November or anything. Um, What's November? What is that? (laughs) Anyway, so just a quick reminder to everyone out there, spend some time with the people you love, because you know what? You love them, and they're people, I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, great lesson from Monsi. Spend time with your loved ones, and if you're... And if you're not, if you feel lonely at home right now because the people you live with are not people that you can find love with or you, the, the people you live with are not people that you can find love and support from, then I hope that you find love and support elsewhere because that's really important. Wow. So ending today's segment on obvious lessons from Monsieur Merrill. <laughs> Also, okay. on the off chance that Hades would see this, um, I don't know if Hades will see this or not, but if you do see this, Hades, you need to do something about Cerebrus. He's lonely. Yeah. You need to get him someone. I mean, if you can pay someone to put people on a boat so that they come to your realm, you can pay someone to play with your dog. Okay. All right, Hades. I mean, <laughs> all right, Monty, calm down. You don't want to let's, – let's, let's chill out, okay? Don't sentence yourself to, like, bad fortune in the afterlife. That would be – we don't want that. Let's 
talk about the chapter titles in the PJO series, like how they're kind of funny. And then in like the Heroes of Olympus, it's just like based on whose point of view we're reading at. Yeah, I miss the, I like the funny, uh, I like the funny chapter titles because they're fun. My personal favorites are Three Old Ladies Meet the Socks of Death and Grover Unexpectedly loses His Pants. I don't know why I got an accent, but it's fine. They took, like, one little thing that happened in the chapter, and they, like, put it out, but it, like, piqued your interest, you know? Yeah, like, they're, like, fun. They're fun. It's a good, it's a good, it's a fun, fun aspect of the book. Yeah, recording stuff. He's just a good writer. He's a fun writer. And, like, these are for kids, so there you go. Yeah. Also, another thing is therapy for half-bloods. Because they definitely need it. Oh my god. The, the half-bloods need so much therapy. I need therapy. You need probably need therapy. We all need therapy. But the half-bloods definitely need more of it. Yes. I feel like it would be... I don't know how many people have seen The Flash. But there's like... Towards like the later seasons. I feel like season five or something. There's this thing where like everyone in The Flash starts going to like a therapist. And they can't explain exactly what's happening. Because they can't reveal that they're Team Flash. So they like blur out some of the details and they're like kind of vague and it's like a little confusing for the therapist to understand. And then she makes this joke. She's like, you know, I normally charge by the hour, but for you and your friends, quarter by the hour because they're like that confusing. So it would probably be like that because they can't explain that they're demigods. So they would have to like vague out details. Mm, yeah. yeah. I think it'd be funny if like, first of all, someone could, write, someone could definitely write fanfiction about this if anyone's out there is a good writer. I mean... We're good writers, but I'm lazy and I don't want to write fanfiction. Actually, I actually did write fanfiction about Percy Jackson once, and like I didn't finish it, but it was really interesting. I wrote a fanfiction with one of my friends, and it was basically like the story of two twins of Poseidon. Oh. Like, it was just the. It was basically the same plotline. Maybe we'll release them someday. Mm-hmm. No, we won't. It was the same. <laughs> it was the same plotline as Percy in the Lightning Thief, except like some details were changed. Like it was Poseidon's trident instead of. We can make that a podcast episode for us. It's I mean, so a YouTube terrible. video. We oh, can make that YouTube my- video. Reading, reading our horrible projected fanfiction. <laughs> but like me and my friend, like we really. And then we can try to write another one. Wait, that's so fun! Like on camera, like we can vlog. Like, oh yeah, that's so much fun. Oh, yeah, that's so much fun. See, oh my god, write that. Write that down somewhere. Somewhere write that down. Write that down. Write that down. Um, okay. Yeah, no, she talked about this company called Pinky. And remember, it was this company where they sell, like, all of these feminine products for our periods, where they give us, like, pink gloves to clean our periods. And it's, like, so messed up. I just want everyone to oh, know oh. company. Wait, what does this have to do with Percy Jackson? Nothing. It was just we were talking about it at the time, and this was a platform where I could express how disgusting that is, and that's what I'm doing. Yeah. As we've established, men are kind of gross. You know what? Let's just let's just let's just get it over with. Someone's gonna be like, not all men. Men haters. And like, no, we don't hate men. We just strongly dislike the stereotype that men have placed themselves into. That doesn't make sense. We strongly don't, we strongly dislike toxic masculinity and the culture that men have established that is affecting misogyny affected people. Okay. The point is, I mean, honestly, if you're a man, should you even be making like, if you don't have periods, why are you making any period products is my first question. Do you why is this in the podcast? <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Keep going. No, you're right. You're right, though. Like, okay. And second of all, like, you, everyone uses toilet paper, right? So I don't understand why using toilet paper for your periods is that, like, disgusting in men's... Like, do men genuinely think periods are that disgusting? Because it's they just can't be, They can't be more disgusting than your wife. Yeah. So, shut up. <laughs> That's so true. Anyway. Like, at least... Yeah. At least our periods are like actually there's nothing good about periods. And that's why we should nine months be, of blood in you, we, boy. So shut exactly. up. Exactly. We deserve you know what we deserve? We deserve paid leave when we're on our periods, honestly. And like if it's school, you get you just you just like you just like get the, you just get you just get all the entire week off for, for from school if you have your period because and then you don't have to make up any of the assignments because you're sick. Like you're bleeding. You're literally dying. <laughs> we're just literally dying and then they're like come no 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 come to school put put this stick up your 
Anyways, um, uh, now what? the very last thing that I want to address before we call it quits in terms of the five books, like one, two, three, four, five of the Percy Jackson, the Olympian series. I would just like to say that the Lightning Thief ranks as third. Obviously, I love all of them to death, but in terms of the five, it ranks third. That's it. I just want to say that. Okay, good for you, Monty. I'm glad that you read them so much and you like have a ranking for them in your head. I just also wanted to add, like, earlier to my point about, like, this being so nostalgic to read. And, like, Percy Jackson literally reminding me of, like, being a, like, a, like a child, like, a literal child, like, 10 years old. Um, I'm still a kid, but, you know, life and responsibilities. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But I'm saying, like, for Percy, like, not for Percy, but for, for for Rick Riordan, I'm just like really glad that he wrote this book. Like Percy and Annabeth are actually in sixth grade because it was so related to so relatable to us as children. But like, um, who are the kids? Uh, what's that book? Six of Crows. Six of Crows. I hear so many people talking about how like those characters do not act like they're seventeen or eighteen. Like they seem like they're like, they're, like disgruntled. But 20 to be counts. fair, to be fair, have you seen the trauma they've gone through? That's so true. If you act like that. That is so true. So that's like I I disagree with that, but like my point is, I just like for this book specifically, I'm just really glad that Rick Gordon wrote these middle schoolers as middle schoolers, like maturity wise, um, knowledge wise, you know, emotional development wise. They're like immature middle schoolers, and it was just so relatable for middle schoolers who are reading this, and like they can see themselves in these characters, and they can feel connected, and like. Production is just such a warm series. Like, yeah, all the dark stuff happens, but it's a warm series. I love it, it. It just fills your heart with happiness. Okay, okay. Um, so that's it. That's like all of our admiration for Rick Riordan and his. That's our gushing. Yeah, it's our fan. Big fan. <laughs> now try out a new word. I'm trying out a new word instead of fangirling because. You know, we want to be gender inclusive so everyone can fan babe with us. <laughs> this is one of the Yeah, I don't claim fan babe, but I think it's cute. Okay, it grew on me. At first, Monty texted me and was like, What do you think about like fan babing? Like, we're fan babing. And I was like, That sounds horrible. <laughs> but you know what? It grew on me. So we're all good. <laughs> first of all, before we end this podcast, I just want to remind everyone to please subscribe on whatever podcast you're on whatever platform you're using. Um, personally, I recommend Overcast because that's like a really good p- platform for podcasts. But uh, yeah, subscribe, rate us on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars. Uh, we deserve it. Thank you so much to everyone who is listening and who listened all the way up to the end. Thank you. We really appreciate you um, if you're even out there. But yeah. We just hope that you enjoyed it. You enjoyed our fan babying about Lightning Thief. And our next episode will be out in a duration of time. It will be out sometime in the future. <laughs> that is all we can tell you for now. Because this first podcast episode took us like six months to get out. Because we're busy high school students who don't know how to time manage. Um, Yeah. Okay. That's it for now. Toodles. Bye, folks. Bye.